0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. You know, when I had the chance to think about what I was going to preach on today, it's a tricky one because I could get up here and talk about great parenting tips, but you all know, or well, many of you know me really well, and my son was the one that prayed about you know, the crazy household where <laughs> that's my house. And oh, the reality is all of us that have fathered stepped into it without a lot of pre-warning or knowledge or experience. It just happened to us. And uh, I dare say most of us have just done our best to be great dads to our kids and learnt sometimes through making mistakes along the way. So I want to bring a message this morning that talks about great tips about being a great dad. You know, that's things that we can share with each other and maybe around your table today with your family, you can talk about the things you love about your dad. I thought the best thing that we could do this morning is actually have a look at the best model of a father that there is. And we're gonna look at the Scriptures today about what it says about God as a father. And I just wanna trust, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, that this might be an encouragement to you about the God that you serve, that the God that you know maybe unlocks some things for you that you haven't thought about for a while. We're gonna use a really well-worn story, something that you probably looked at, studied, or heard a hundred times if you've been part of a church for a long time. Maybe you're here today and you've never had a perspective on what God is like. Well, I wanna trust that this morning, you're gonna get a brand new perspective on what God the Father looks like and how He sees you. We're gonna do that in just a moment. But before we do that, I just reckon it'd be good to pray because I recognise on any day like this, any day we celebrate something like Father's Day, that for many of us, it's a day filled with joy and celebration. But for a whole bunch of us, it's also a day filled with great emotion and pain. And I just want to acknowledge this morning that in this space, some of us are thinking about our dad that is no longer with us. Some of us have lost our dads in the year that's just gone. Some of us are a long time ago. But Father's Day always rises up the memories of the father that we no longer have with us. For a whole bunch of us, maybe fatherhood is not, it doesn't come attached to a great memory. Maybe you had a distant or an absent father and I just want to acknowledge the pain in this day as well. So why, as we pray that God would speak to us through his word, we get a glimpse of the perfect father, maybe that he'd also minister to us in our moment here today. So why don't you do that with me? God, I want to say thanks for every dad sitting in this space today. God, there's something that uh, you've gifted them with, the privilege of of, uh, being able to invest their life into our children. God, I just want to thank you that in you we get an example of the perfect Father. And I want to pray this morning as we open your Word that you've given to us that we might be enriched by it, that we might be awoken to some new understanding of who you are. Maybe that it might change our perspective and how you view us and change the way that we view you into the future. Father, today I just want to pray for those that Father's Day is a, comes attached with a whole bunch of pain. Lord, for those that have lost their Father, for those that have never known their Father or their Father's been absent or distant. God, I wanna pray that in the pain of that, I wanna pray that you would minister this morning, that you would just envelope and embrace us with your arms of love, compassion and grace. God, that we would know that we are never alone, but even in the imperfect world that we live in, we have a heavenly Father that loves us so deeply that we could never be embraced by anyone and be as enriched as we can be in relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As I said, I wanna tell you a story this morning that many of you have heard many times. And we're moving between series today. It's a great changeover in our teaching series. We've been looking at the series Encounter and people that have had an encounter with Jesus and that encounter changed their life. And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be looking at some of the stories of Jesus or the parables of Jesus where Jesus around a crowd of people shared stories that just used language and pictures and illustrations that people of the day understood really clearly, but used them to illustrate the deep and powerful things of God. And uh, there's a whole bunch of parables that Jesus spoke in and He was the master storyteller. I wanna start with one of the more famous ones this morning. It comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And to understand it, we need to understand the context in which Jesus shares it. You see, Jesus has got a reputation amongst the people of his day as someone that liked to hang out with those that others didn't think were that acceptable. And so as we read the stories of Jesus, we see that he's eating at the house of prostitutes. He's eating and celebrating and hanging out with people of ill repute, people that of the day were some of the most hated, reviled people in society. He hung out with the poor and the marginalised and He gave time to them. Not just time, He gave affection to them. He showed them that they were valuable and that they were worth something. And on this particular day, the Scripture tells us that Jesus was hanging around with the sinners and others that society just looked on and just judged because of their lifestyle and their choices. And there was a whole bunch of people that were observing Jesus in these interactions and their heart was starting to think, what kind of man is this? People say that He might be God in the flesh. Well, God in the flesh wouldn't be doing the things that Jesus is, hanging out with the people that Jesus is hanging out with. You know, there's always a problem when the leader of the movement looks different from the people that are representing Him. And here's the problem, the people of faith, the people that were the religious leaders of the day were looking at the man who claimed to be God and said there's a huge gap between his behaviour and our belief. And so Jesus tells a story to these religious heavyweights because of their hard attitude towards the ones that Jesus was ministering to, the poor, the broken, the marginalised, those that have just been classified in this broad area of sinners. And so Jesus tells three stories, but the last of them is a story about a dad and his two sons. Let me just read it to you as Jesus told it. There was a man who had two sons The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went, hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he's got him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I put a title on my message that is simply this, the rebellious, the religious, and the father that just desires a relationship. Good preacher's title. Rebellious religious relationship. But I want to start talking to you firstly about the two sons and the first son. And the best way that we can describe the first son is a rebellious first son. I've heard some of your stories, and many of you would say that some of your younger years were marked with rebellion. Well, what does rebellion look like in this story? Rebellion starts with a son that rejects the way of his father. Rebellion is actually written into the human story right back to the very beginning in the first act of the Scripture as God has created this perfect world and created mankind in His own image and placed them on the world to look after it. God just says to them, enjoy it. Take pleasure in it. There's just one thing I ask you not to do. But mankind... It's just this little seed in them that says, you know what, I actually don't want to trust that the thing that God tells me to do is a thing that I need to do. So the serpent gets in the ear in in Genesis 1, 2 and 3 and tells a story about how he just doesn't want you to see things the way he sees them. He's just scared if you eat the fruit from the tree, you're gonna be like him. And so Adam and Eve, as the story goes, go and do the one thing. They eat the piece of forbidden fruit that God had instructed them not to do. You see, rebellion has always been written into the human story. And I wanna suggest in a whole bunch of us, rebellion has been written in some part into our story. And certainly in the story that Jesus tells, it's the story of one son that takes rebellion to the nth degree. He comes to his dad and says, Dad, I reject all that this family stands for and all that you represent, and I'm done with it. It's time to do things my way. And it's very nuanced in the story. We probably don't understand it in the full depth of what the son asks his father. But when the younger son comes to his dad and says, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance, he essentially says in different words, Dad, I wish you were dead. Because when you're dead, I get what you have that will one day belong to me. So I wish you were dead, Dad. Can I have what one day will be mine now? So the younger son comes to the dad and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff. And we don't see the mechanics. Jesus doesn't go into that. He doesn't need to. But we get an understanding that obviously for a father to give his son that which was to be his inheritance while the father was still alive was gonna be a great and a costly exercise. And so the younger son takes that inheritance and goes and chooses to do life his own way. The ultimate rebel, the story tells us. And Jesus picks a whole bunch of illustrations that really would have graded the listeners. He goes off to a foreign land and he squanders all of his father's wealth on wild living to the point where when the famine hits the land that he's in, he finds himself working for a Gentile pig farmer. Now to a Jewish audience, Jesus couldn't have picked a more pertinent place of depravity than in a foreign land, having squandered your father's wealth on wild living than now working for a Gentile pig farmer. And that's where the younger son finds him. I love how Jesus adds this one little line into the story. He says, when the younger son came to his senses. You see, there is a point when we live a rebellious life that we find ourselves in such a place where we start to wonder whether it was actually worth it. And the youngest son now with no money, he's written his family off, he's working for a Gentile pig farmer with no food in his stomach, finally comes to his senses. Man, for some of us, it takes some pretty dire circumstances, doesn't it, for us to come to our senses. But I've heard some of your testimony. And I know for some of you, there was a moment where after trying to do it all your own way, you came to your senses. And so the youngest son thinks to himself, I'm here as a slave to a Gentile pig farmer. Even the slaves that my father had got treated better than I'm getting treated right now. I've wiped my family, but I wonder if I could tell my dad such a story that he would just take me on as one of the slaves in his household. I could just be one of the servants. Like even the servants' quarters and the conditions For the servants in my father's household are a hundred times better than the life I'm now living. That's the younger son, the rebel. And when he came to his senses, he goes back to his dad and I can imagine him walking along the road thinking to himself, okay, what do I say? What do I say? The last time I saw my dad, I told him I wish he was dead. More than that, he's gonna ask me what I did with all my inheritance. And not only did he have to, sell half his stuff to give it to me, but now I've gone away and I've squandered it and I have nothing. Imagine the dialogue in his head about what he's gonna say to his dad. It's gonna be a really awkward conversation. Should I even be going back? And the Bible tells us something most incredible about the father. It says that the father sees the son coming while he's a long way off. That tells me that the father's watching, waiting, hoping that one day the son might return, But it says, he saw him while he was a long way off. And it's at this point in the story that I'm really confronted with the reality of what the Father in Jesus' story is like compared to me. Because I reckon there's something in, in many of us that says when we've been wronged and someone acknowledges that wrong, there's still that little part of us that thinks, well, how can we make them feel the weight of what they've done? How can we just, you know, through a, a good response still enact a little bit of revenge or pain into the story? I mean, the father must have been feeling intense pain at what the younger son had done. I think I've given Anna the wrong cue. Hey Anna, sorry, my fault. I said, come up when I say this, and I just said it, but I don't want you standing up there for 15 minutes. That would be really bad for Anna. It's bad when you're working with dodgy preachers. Sorry, I'll, give, I'll just smile at you in a minute, Anna, and give you a thumbs up, that'll be easier. <laughs> the father just, I I see the father looking at his son thinking to himself, how do I make the weight of what he's done really weigh on him? But it says that the father sees the son while he's a distance off. Filled with compassion, the Scriptures tell us, he runs to meet his son and embraces him. He puts a ring on his finger, he puts a cloak on his shoulders, he puts sandals on his feet and he tells his servants to kill the fattened calf and then he holds a party to end all parties. Now everything in that is significant culturally. You see, Middle Eastern fathers were men of dignity and respect. You would never see the head of the household standing on the porch of the house and see a child coming from a distance and decide to hitch up his cloak and run down the dusty roads to embrace them. That was just unheard of. But this Father, Jesus tells us, is so overwhelmed with the sight of His Son at a distance and so filled with compassion, He doesn't care what everybody else thinks about. He doesn't care that everyone else is going to be taking photos of going, imagine, see this guy running down the road. This is the equivalent, I don't mean this for shock value, but this is the equivalent of me waiting at home for one of my kids to get home from something, looking out through the window of the house, through the little pane of glass and seeing a car pull up on the other side of the road and completely unaware of my situation, opening the front door, flinging open the screen and running down the road in my undies to embrace my child. That's the horror of what this father does. I know you don't want that visual picture this morning. Any visual people here, I apologise, but I want you to get the magnitude of what it meant in this story for the dad to run down the road to embrace his son. This was not something that a father did, except the father in Jesus' story is so overwhelmed with compassion that the son who ripped him off and told him that he wished he was dead and took all the family's money and wasted all the family's money. There's gotta be something in the heart of the father doesn't that says, I'll make him pay for this, no. He's so filled with compassion, he flings open the front door and runs down the road to embrace his son. He puts a robe on, he puts a ring on his finger. It would have been a ring of family. So where the son comes back to be the servant, the father takes the family ring and places it on his son's finger with shoes on his feet and then pulls him in and says, let's kill the fattened calf. Now, the fattened calf wasn't just the thing you did for Sunday lunch. The fattened calf probably wasn't even the thing you did for Father's Day. The fattened calf was the one thing that you held on to for the absolute greatest celebration that you could possibly have. And the Father says, today's the day that we kill the beast. And if you kill the fattened calf, it's not a small family gathering. The whole community would have been welcomed to the party when the fattened calf was killed. And so Jesus' listeners hear about the rebellious son and hear about the reaction of the father that races out undignified to meet him, welcomes him back into the family and then throws the party to end all parties. I've got some good news for any of us here today that have lived a story that has rejected the things of God or rebelled against the things of God or walked away from the things of God. Maybe it was something that you held on to in your childhood, but as you grew older, you started the narrative of I know better or I've got things more together. I don't need God. God is just like limiting my style. Maybe you're a young person here today and you're right on the fringe of making some really stupid decisions that are gonna impact your future. I've got some really good news for you just when you think that you've gone too far and that God would want nothing to do with you. Jesus makes it really clear to us that there's a Father who loves you so much that the thing that His heart is not filled with is here's my chance to get even, here's my chance to say I told Him so, here's my chance to kind of put the weight and the pressure on and make Him feel bad for all the stupid things they've done. No, 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 here's a Father that doesn't just say, hey, they can just come back and sit on the fringes for a while. If your story is the story of a rebel, you've got a father who's waiting at the door, hoping, anticipating, just waiting for you to turn your attention back to him. And when you do, he will throw off all dignity to run out and greet you and welcome you back into the family. And he's just waiting to kill the fattened calf so he can celebrate that that which is lost has now been found. That is what our heavenly father is like. But Jesus doesn't end the story there. The story probably wouldn't have had as much weight if Jesus ended the story there, because remember, his audience is actually the religious heavyweights that are looking at the younger sons amongst them and judging them. Because Jesus then goes on to say, actually, there's another person in this story, and it's the older brother. And in some ways, this story is more about the older brother. Because if I was to sum up the older brother for you, the older brother is incredibly religious, he's compliant, he's good. He's lived within the bounds of what was asked within the family. He's never asked for his inheritance early. He's worked hard. He's prayed often. He's turned up to church every week. He's been on a serving team. He's given in the offering. He brings his kids to youth group. That's the older brother. He's always lived within the bounds of the rules as he understood them. But something's happening in the heart of the older brother that tells us there's a few things going on for him that actually aren't that much different to the younger brother. Because the highly compliant, rule-keeping, good older brother is missing the point of what it is to be part of the family. And as the father celebrates the return of the younger son, the true heart of the older brother comes to the fore. And we see a couple of things. One, the older brother has a belief that the way to earn the favour of the father is to do all the right stuff. I wonder how many of us here today still are living a narrative in our life that says, if we just tick all the right boxes, God will accept us. If we just do all the right things, God will accept us. If we just make sure we we don't muck it up, God's gonna accept us. And the older brother's living a narrative that says, the way I earn my father's favour is by being good. And I'm not here to say being good's a bad thing. You know, actually living within the bounds of what God calls us to do is a really good thing. The problem is the older brother was doing that, but his heart hadn't got a hold of the fact that you do that because of your love for the Father, not because of the expectation of the Father. You see, if, if everything you do for God is because you feel this weight of expectation, you've missed the point that the things that we're invited to do for God are because of the weight of the relationship. If worship is just something you do because you feel like you have to stand here on Sunday, you've missed the point that worship's just a chance just to say, oh God, I really just think you're awesome. If serving's something you do because it's another box you feel you have to tick to be right with God, you miss the point that serving is something we do because of what God's already done for us and we can't help but wanna give our life. But the older brother's missed that. He's just got this checklist of things that he keeps doing because he feels like the way to earn the favour of the father is just by ticking all the right boxes. And we actually get a real insight into the older brother in one verse because he hears the party going on for his younger brother. asks what's going on and one of the others comes out and says, well, your dad's chucked a party for your younger brother. He's come home. And the older brother, it says, gets angry because of what's happening in his family. And so again, and don't miss his point in the story, Jesus tells us that the father went out from the party. It's the second time the father's left the house to approach one of his sons. The first time he's run down a dusty road to embrace the younger son. This time he leaves the house to go out to find the older brother that won't come into the party because of what's happening in his heart, because of what's happening with the younger son. And he gets out to his older son. His older son says this, his older son says, my son, ah. it says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father and listen to this because this is where we see his heart. All these years I've been slaving for you. I wonder if for any of us here this morning, our faith just feels like we're slaving for something so we get a reward one day. All these years I've been slaving for you been doing all the right stuff. I've never left you. I've never asked for my inheritance. I've never done anything wrong. I've always stayed home. I've always looked after the animals. I've always worked the field. I've always said all the right things. All these years, all I've ever done for you is slay for you. I wonder right now if some of us just have that sitting on us. We just feel our relationship with God is just this heavy burden. And all we're doing is going through all the motions and there's no joy in it. There's no fun in It, it just feels like we're slaving. For well, the father, all well, these years I've been slaving for you. Not once did you even give me a goat to celebrate with, he says. And it's here we get a real insight into the heart and the attitude of the older son. The younger son actually comes out with it and says, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance. The older son does it in a much more respectful way. Why would I be doing this, Dad, if it wasn't for what I'm gonna get from you one day? Both of them, in their own way, tell the father that The relationship doesn't matter, but can he just hurry up and move on so they can get what's owing there? One just does it much more respectfully. And so Jesus in this story says, there's two sons and both of them have missed the point of who God is. One thinks he's going to do life his own way and he rejects the things of God and he walks away from the things of God and he goes and he squanders it all in some stupid decisions and some wild living. The other one has tried to earn God's favour by doing all the right stuff. One on the surface lived a very bad life, one on the surface lived a very good life, but guess what? Both of them missed the heart of the father. And it's where we get a glimpse of what the father's like in this story. He says to his older son, son, you've always been with me. You've always been part of my family. You've always been welcome at the table. How could we not celebrate though that your younger brother was lost and has now been found? There's one common denominator in this story and I've already pointed to it. In both cases, there's a father that pursues a relationship with his son. And for the rebellious son, the father runs out to greet him. And for the religious son, the father goes out to grab him. And both of the sons are invited to the same place, the party table in the father's house. And it doesn't matter what your story, I reckon this is part of what Jesus wants to say. It doesn't matter what your story is. Are you a rebel? Or are you the rule keeping? End of the spectrum. Whatever your story is, the thing that God desires from you is just to sit at his table, to be in relationship with him. He wants to call you his son or his daughter. He doesn't welcome the younger son back in as a servant. He welcomes him back in as a son. He doesn't invite the older brother in because he's a servant. He invites him to the table because he's part of the family. And that's the whole point. If we want to get a sense of what God is like, God will always pursue you no matter what your story because the greatest driving thing for him is a relationship with you, his son or his daughter. He desires you that much that He will actually forget all the stupid things you've done and forgive all the stupid things you've done and then still, on top of that, show His grace, not by just saying, well, you can come back in and have the bedroom at the back. He says, no, 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 come back in. Let's chuck the best party that this town has ever seen. That's what our Father in heaven is like. Jesus doesn't just tell a great story even though this is a great story. He actually puts flesh and blood on this story sometime later. Jesus comes and pursues us through his own life. And the band to come and join me. Jesus pursues us through his own life. Jesus steps out of the glory of heaven to pursue us. Jesus gets hung on a cross, stripped of dignity to pursue us. Just like the Father with these sons that that throws off all dignity to run out and say, kids, come back in, come in, come and join the party, come and join the celebration, come and be with me. God so desires relationship with you and I that nothing would stand in His way of going there. And just a few short chapters later in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us the story of how Jesus goes to a rugged Roman cross and gives his life because he is driven by love for both the rebellious and the religious because the thing he desires more than anything is for you to be part of his family. And stripped of dignity, stripped naked, all the pictures and the images we see would have been sanitised versions of what that day looked like. But your God loves you so much that nothing would stand in the way of him pursuing you. He stepped out of the glory of heaven to pursue you because that is what our good father does. He doesn't wait for you to come back and to grovel at the door and and tell him all the things that you know you're going to do to make it up for him. He doesn't do that. He actually meets you right where you're at and says, "Grabs you and says, "Come. I'm glad. I'm glad you're on your way home. Come into the party." And this morning, the good news for every one of us, and this is what we call the grace of God, is it doesn't matter what your story, God is pursuing you because He desires for you to be part of His family. And if right now you're here and you've rejected the things of God, you're like the younger son, you've kind of told God you don't need Him, you don't need His stuff, you don't need His rules, you don't need anything that He offers and you've just gone off and done your own thing, He's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for you. He's just waiting at the door. He's just looking down the road. He's going, all I need is for them to turn their attention back this way and I'll run as fast as I can to meet them. Bring them into the family. If you're here and you've spent your whole life just trying to keep the rules and do all the right stuff and tick all the right boxes, but you've never felt the warmth of the Father's embrace, God wants to do something brand new in you. He wants to bring a new joy into your faith relationship. He wants to take that real sense of duty away from what you do and make it be something that you do just because you're driven by love and passion for the things of God. He wants you to be part of His family too. Have a Father that just stands and wait. prepares a great party for us and then pursues us and calls us in. For all the dads here this morning, let's let our Heavenly Father be the greatest example of what a dad looks like. No matter what our kids have done, no matter where they are, that we just wait and we stand and we watch and we just embrace them with our love. For all of us, let's this morning receive the embrace of our heavenly Father. Hey God, I wanna thank You. Thank You for Your Word. Jesus, thank You for this great story. Lord, I reckon we all find ourselves in this story at some point. Somewhere on the spectrum of rebellious to religious, God, we all find ourselves somewhere in that spectrum, but right in the centre of that story, Lord, You stand with Your arms open, just wanting to embrace every one of us filled with love and filled with grace and filled with compassion and just desiring that we would have a relationship with You. Father God, I wanna pray that You'd start right now to turn our heart towards You. Lord, that we might experience You in a brand new way. Lord, not as hard or authoritarian or distant, but as a Father that just desires a relationship, a Father that chooses to embrace us no matter where we're at. Hey, this morning, just as we pray and as everyone else continues to pray, if you are here this morning and you've never accepted the invitation of your heavenly Father to be part of His family, He just waits with anticipation for you to accept. There's nothing for you to do. There's no, nothing that you have to make up for. He just He's inviting you in. He just wants you to accept that invitation. What He's done is enough for you. I just wonder if you've never taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus and what he's done and accepting the invitation of your Heavenly Father into His family. Father's Day be a great day to do that. And this morning I'd just love to lead you in a prayer. But for us to do that today, if you'd like to join me in that prayer, welcome Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Savior to receive the embrace of your Heavenly Father. Can I just ask right now, while everyone else has got their eyes closed, you might just raise your hand so we can pray together. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm just gonna invite you to pray a prayer with me today. Is there anyone here that would love just to pray this prayer with me today on Father's Day? Let me introduce you to a Father that just wants to embrace you, filled with compassion and love and grace for you. Anyone here today just wanna join me in that prayer? Bless your church. Hey, why don't we stand together this morning? going to sing a song of celebration to finish His service. Why don't you just uh, take a moment as we do that just to stop and give thanks to God the Father for all that He is to you and all He's done for you on this Father's Day. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.